2: We are in the mood for fantasy football. I'm Cody Rourke of Pro Football Network. And to talk about week 18, waiver wire all across the NFL. Look, if you're a fantasy manager, it's been an up and down season. There's been a lot of surprises. There's been a lot of disappointments. And, you know, we share all the frustration here. we talk about it. We give fantasy managers the insight that they need. I don't necessarily do that, but I rely a lot on this guy. And his name is Tommy Gary. He's our Pro Football Network fantasy analyst. And he's going to join me on today's episode, Pro Football Network Weekly. Tommy, welcome into the show my friend. Hey, for the second consecutive day, it's great to see you as always. And, uh, man, look, we get to break it down here. Once again, week 18 waiver wire action. I know fancy managers are excited.
1: Absolutely, man. The sun shines a little bit brighter on these cold winter mornings when I get to see your face around here. So it's always a pleasure to be around you, buddy.
2: Man, hey, it's always a pleasure having you here on the program. Look, like I said, Tommy has guided me through this fantasy season with with ease. I mean, I used to be in a lot of leagues. I limited myself to one. I really focused on it. Tommy's advice, the fantasy football department's advice, they really got me through the season. And so we hope that they've also gotten you through your season as well here on the In the Move for Fantasy Football podcast. Uh, You know, week 18 waiver wire here, Tommy. Let's kind of open things up a little bit later on here in the show. We're going to be joined by B.J. Riddell. He's our Pro Football Network fantasy director here. We're gonna go through different options here in waiver wires today. So starting off with you, let you know, let's talk about a guy in Tampa Bay. Look, with uh, the loss of Antonio Brown walking away from football, literally walking away from it. Now Tom Brady has to figure out some other options to throw to besides Mike Evans. And now there's one guy there.
1: Yeah, right now I'm kind of like kind of pointing my needle towards Cyril Grayson. uh actually suppressing so point- fire, baby. <laughs> uh we're going to the danger zone on this one i was still grayson uh interestingly enough this is not a guy who even played football in college he was actually a track star at lsu kind of started his career as a practice squad player of the seattle seahawks and all of a sudden he's playing some decent football the past two games 11 targets nine receptions 162 yards and a touchdown look tom brady he's one of those guys that if he trusts you he's going to go to you and in a critical situation they didn't have any timeouts game on the line he looked for Cyril Grayson. They end up scoring that game-winning touchdown. You know, you had Antonio Brown just completely lose his marbles on the sidelines, and a thing that we're still trying to figure out what actually happened. And one of these days, we might get the whole great uh, little ESPN thirty for thirty that'll kind of give us the whole situation. But for right now, like they don't have much else. Rashad Perriman might also be a guy that we could probably yeah. see get a few more reps. We've heard some guys talk about when they come back from COVID that they don't necessarily have their win back and they're kind of back they're sluggish, have a hard time catching their breath. Um, so I think with Rashad Perriman only playing like 11 snaps that week, I think that might be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of trying to ease him back into rotation. So I would expect to probably see him get a few more reps in this one too. You know, Tyler Johnson is also going to be probably involved. But right now, if you're going to trust the hot hand, right now it's probably Cyril Grayson. Uh, You know, it's exciting to think about
2: because nobody knew who he was coming into the season. I certainly didn't know, and I covered the league in depth. I mean, outside of his
1: friends and his mom, I I don't think anyone else really knew too much about him.
2: So being able to see a guy like him kind of step up in a big-time way here for Tom Brady, especially late in the game, look, how many times have we seen situations where you know, Tom has needed to rely on a guy late in the game, maybe not one of his key guys. How many times have, have people stepped up? I mean, this could be really of the emergence than. of Cyril Grayson. This could be where his legend begins in his career. So you never know. The storylines they like to write themselves. I wanted to ask you a little bit of a quick question too, to not not to pivot away from it, but when we talk about Cyril Grayson, like obviously Mike Evans is back. You mentioned Brashad Perryman. My biggest question to you is why not guys like Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard, Cameron Bray, you know, these guys that have also been involved as you know yeah. tight ends here. Will they have looked to evolve to go to them a lot more, maybe
1: outside of a Cyril Grayson? I think a lot of times, like, we look like someone like Rob Gronkowski. We know he's rostered. Like, we know what's going to happen with him. He's always going to be that critical player inside the red zone. Um, But inside, like, okay, from the, the 20 to the 20, who's going to get those touches outside of that point? Cameron Bray might be getting a little more. You know, guys like O.J. Howard kind of made a little bit of their work in that kind of same kind of range. But if I'm looking at the receivers, who I think might have a chance to have a little bit of a bigger performance, especially in a PPR format, I'm looking for the volume. Um, and where Gronk kind of makes his money in the red zone on touchdowns, I need someone who's not necessarily just only looking inside of those, those closed down-and-distance ways where we know that's who's going to go with the ball towards him, Mike Evans, whatever. Um, but outside of that, like, like Cyril Grayson, like I said, like hey, like Scotty Miller even had a couple of good games uh, last couple seasons when he's trying to fill them in the same kind of role. Um, so I think there's a couple different options you can go with. Like I said, for me, it's just kind of going with the hot hand. The other guys will likely see an increased amount of targets. Um, but will it be enough to offset it? Eh, probably not. Um, you're looking for that upside play. If I'm going to take a splash play, especially right here in my championships, even if it's not to play him, I'm trying to just to bench somebody and try to, to block my opponent. Cyril Grayson makes a little bit of sense of that one. And we're going to talk about a couple of these guys. Like, I want to say this, like the waiver wire this week is not great. Like, if you made it to the championships, you probably already have a very good roster. You made it here for a reason. You didn't just make it by a fluke. So we're looking at guys who are either going to add some upside in a deeper league, or you're just trying to stack your bench and maybe they be a flex consideration. But a lot of these moves, you're just trying to block your opponent from using them against you.
2: Smart strategy. and You know, it's one strategy I just found out about this year. Look, I, I'll, I'll be very honest. I never in years prior, I've always found myself caught up and being so busy to say, hey, mm-hmm. I can't really invest too much time in fantasy football. Really learning about blocking people this year has been a really good strategy. So thank you, Tom. There's the game within
1: the game. Yeah, oh,
2: I love it. And so that that's a good thing. I needed that. And so I was able to help offset a couple of impact moves that some of my opponents were able to try to make towards me this year. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't win the championship. But, you know, when you only lose one game of the season, it's great. And unfortunately, you want to win the ship. I didn't get to do that. Who's some other waiver wire targets that you have your eye on, in particular, taking on the New York Giants defense here this week?
1: Yeah, with Antonio Gibson, you know, he's banged up. We know what's going on there. I think Jared Patterson all kind of steps into a different role now. Um, You have him with Wendell Smallwood. and This very much seems like the Jared Patterson role. And last week he had 17 touches for almost 100 yards. Also adds in five receptions, has a touchdown on that one. I think the thing to me is it's a snap share. That's why I kind of say he really kind of vaulted over Wendell Smallwood. 39 to 19 in the snap advantage. Um, I th- if you look over his last couple games, he's actually had some decent, uh, production. I think the big thing about it, if you played in dynasty or you're kind of up to date on the rookie class, you knew about Jared Patterson already. Granted, he went to a smaller school. He went to Buffalo, but there are some guys who just have this innate ability to find the end zone. Jared Patterson was that guy over his final two seasons while at Buffalo averaged 151.1 rushing yards per game over his final couple seasons, including a game against Kent State last year in a COVID shortened season. He had 409 rushing yards and tied the FBS record with eight rushing touchdowns in that single game. Would have loved to have seen him break it, but look, I'm not going <laughs> to complain about seeing a guy get eight touchdowns. The Giants' the, the Giants' defense, they're 26 against the running backs on this season, so I think it makes sense for a play like this where, look, you're going to get a volume guy, might find the end zone, not a lot of depth behind him. Washington, they're trying to figure out where they are as a franchise. You got the whole logo thing they're changing right now. You got the stadium that's falling apart in the franchise around them. So, look, try and get a little bit of sun on this team. Jared Patterson makes a little bit of sense on this one. Maybe it's like an RB3 kind of play this week.
2: Now with the Washington football team, man, I know a lot of people say WFT, but you know, when it comes to Washington football team, I'm saying WTF consistently here. The best call <laughs>
1: I made, and it wasn't even fantasy related. I did an article for pro football network back in the off season, And it was, I went through and I ranked the, the one through the one through, I think 30 is whatever it is now of the best and worst stadiums. Washington football team dead last in my stadium rankings. I have never been happier that a call went perfectly right because that has been nothing but a, storm literally raining down from the second level
2: well i think jalen hurts open letter that he released on social media about yeah. that stadium very interesting i mean look yeah. I, I think he makes a valid point when potential media staff members players fans have the risk to be hurt and obviously Absolutely. some did get hurt that's a huge thing it's just another thing that washington's trying to cover up they're trying to divert wouldn't be the first time the franchise
1: tried to cover up something
2: Not surprised, but you know, there's got to be an overhaul of leadership there. You know, speaking of keeping things in the NFC East division here, we talked about the injury impact of Michael Gallup, unfortunately, for the Dallas Cowboys done for the year with an ACL opens up more opportunities for one of your next waiver wire targets. And that's Cedric Wilson.
1: Yeah, Cedric Wilson, we've kind of seen him step up into this kind of role earlier in the season when uh Michael Gallup was also hurt. Like I said, he's on the uh, he's on the IR, torn ACL. Um, luckily enough that Adam Scheffer did come out and report multiple sources did at the same time, that it was a clean tear. There's nothing else structurally going on. The problem that he's you know, he's entering his free agency now. He's gonna be an f- unrestricted free agent after this season, and it's enough some it's never something you want to see. A guy all of a sudden suffer a devastating injury like this, a career altering injury from where it's a guy you know. Couple seasons in a row, he was very productive as a deeper threat for this Dallas Cowboys offense. Cedric Wilson doesn't necessarily profile in that exact same way Michael Gallup does, but I think he can still be productive. Last week, 35, uh, 35 yards on a touchdown, not great, but at least he had six. He caught all six of his targets. There's also that he also connected with Tony Pollard on a thirty-yard one completion. So as a on his career, he's five for five as as a passer. So we'll take those points anywhere we can get it. Obviously, he's never going to be the number one target on this team. He will not be number two or number three. He might be number four behind Amari Cooper, Michael, uh, behind Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and even Dalton Schultz. Look, you run Tony Pollard also out of the backfield. We know how good he is. Like, he was probably the best pass catcher coming out of his draft at that point, coming out of Memphis. So it's, I think you kind of have a couple other options you can go with. Cedric Wilson, like I said, he's going to see some more volume on this team. He's going to be up there in the snap care, on the snap share, and also in the routes ran it's probably a deeper league kind of play. Like you're in like a 12 to a 14 team. I can see Cedric Wilson being the option there because honestly, it's something you guys have touched on on, on NFL weekly. It's the whole fact of like the Dallas Cowboys are just an offense. that doesn't seem to have its identity right now. And yeah. ever since Dak Prescott came back from his injury, he's kind of just seemed to struggle a little bit. Maybe this is a week they kind of get right against a team. They know very intimately in the Philadelphia Eagles. So Cedric Wilson might be a little bit of play, but honestly, they're only going to go so far as Dak Prescott's going to carry him. An Eagles team that as of right
2: now has 12 players on a COVID reserve list, including Dallas Goddard. So, I mean, it could be the perfect get right game here for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, both of these teams are going to be in the NFC playoffs anyway, so it's not like there's too much to necessarily play for. And the question, too, is all the
1: changing protocols. Some of those guys might be able to come back like we saw last week.
2: Yeah, something to keep an eye on. I know know COVID has just completely thrown a wrench into fantasy managers' plans this year. Really not the beginning of the season or midway. It's really at the most crucial point, right? Right before the playoffs and championship matchups. And unfortunately, that's kind of where we're all sitting here. Why couldn't we have done this in the
1: preseason? Just get it done and out of the way. It's like rip the Band-Aid off then. Would have been nice, but, you know,
2: the oh. NFL and just the way that a world is running, everything's just so out of whack, Tommy. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talking points right now, and there's a lot of speculation and questioning around the NFL as to whether or not the Green Bay Packers, who own the one seed in mm-hmm. the NFC playoffs, have already clinched it and locked it up that – whether or not they're going to play their starters. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, he came on to the Manning cast. He talked on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday. Yeah. All indications point that he's going to play. He wants to play. Like, he's chosen it. And, and I put out a tweet during the Manning cast. I said, hey, this is actually very brilliant here by the Manning cast to bring him on as a guest because of the Manning cast curse. And I said, well, look, he more likely won't play against the Detroit Lions, and he gets a first-round bye. So the Manning cast curse cannot touch him. Mm-hmm. There's a two-week period there. But if he does play, then I'm I'm I am a little anxious about this. But one of his targets, Alan Lazar, taking on the Detroit Lions. Yeah, he's one of your other waiver wire targets. Why?
1: It's like the Manning cast has now turned into the modern era uh, Madden curse because it was always the cover athlete on the Madden curse was always going to have like that bad season coming up. I think it was Tom Brady that broke that kind of streak because I mean obviously go figure Tom Brady. It's he is what he is. He's he doesn't fall for those kind of issues. Uh, but yeah, Al Lazard. He's going. He caught last week. Caught all six of his targets for seventy two yards and a touchdown. He's got three touchdowns in his last four games. Five plus targets in three of his last four. Two of those games over seventy five yards. Uh, he had a lot of momentum earlier in like the beginning of last season coming off of a pretty strong performance in 2019, but core muscle surgery kind of end of his season before it ever got, really got a chance to get going. And we know him and, and Aaron Rodgers had a little bit of chemistry already going into coming into this season, knowing that he was going to be fully healthy. Marquez Valdez Scantling has kind of operated as the number two on this team next to Devontae Adams. But with the question marks, okay, it's, we think they're going to play. The question is going to be how long. And that's what we, none of us have any idea right now in fantasy or in the NFL. How long are these guys going to be out there playing? It's If Aaron Rodgers is out there, everyone else is going to be too because you're not putting the the likely MVP out there on his own with no weapons. Uh, So it's like Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, all those guys will be out there. Devontae Adams, whether they only play a half, they play three quarters, who knows? Like This very well might be treated like one of those final preseason games where they're only out there for a couple quarters. I can't help but wonder, with this being Aaron Rodgers, one of his final home games. Um, No, I'm sorry. No, they're on the road this week, aren't they? I believe yes, they are they're on the road. I was I was gonna say is I wonder if he's trying to pull a like, you know, like Ben Roethlisberger did, right. you know, trying to get those one those final couple moments at Green Bay. And it's it's something he might be trying to do here. Get as many moments he can in a Green Bay Packers uniform. I wonder if that's in his thought process going on, knowing what could be changing in this upcoming offseason, but I think Alan Lazard, he could probably operate as the number two this week ahead of MVS. And if they want to limit uh, someone like Devontae Adams reps, we could see Alan Lazard maybe be the number one and then kind of transition. All of a sudden, Jordan Love comes in. Jordan Love, those backup quarterbacks, who they've been throwing to more than likely? It's guys fewer down on the depth chart. Someone like Alan Lazard might have a little bit of uh, chemistry with him already. Granted, that might only be for a couple quarters. Granted, it's all going to be based on how long Aaron Rodgers is going to be out there. I do like him to play this week, majority of the Packers players. So if he's out there, Alan Lazard makes a little bit of sense as a wide receiver three. And we're going to find out exactly what the plan is, according to Matt LaFleur and obviously this coaching staff,
2: week 18 of the NFL Granted, regular season. We have to listen to coach Winding speak and
1: trust up. it. I love this time of year
2: see this is where I think a lot of people get confused they, they don't know what to listen to they don't know what to hear for they're gonna hear one thing yeah. and they're gonna think it's that but it's actually the other I mean it's it's reverse psychology Bill Belichick is great at coach speak and, and look ladies and gentlemen, you got to brush up on it if you don't know what it is but hey real quick want to give a shout out to everybody here in the chat at pro football network here at twitch.tv slash pro football network in the meantime if you're a brand new viewer we bring you daily NFL news content and coverage fantasy football college football NFL draft and betting you get all that here under one umbrella twitch.tv slash pro football network hit that follow button once we get to to 250 we're gonna do a free jersey giveaway whoever wins gets a free jersey of their choice of a player except to a Viloa. we're not giving those jerseys away anymore here pro football network but outside of that we appreciate uh you tuning in and if you have a chance to subscribe if you have an amazon account amazon prime they take care of the cost for you hit that subscribe button and get in on the action today so now we got a question in from ian cummings PAFN 365 gonna be joining me here at the top of the hours we talk nfl draft college football news he asked the question should leagues and in the second to last week uh, end it in the second to last week with all these limited reps that a lot of teams are seeing and teams that already have stuff locked up for the playoffs that may not play their starters.
1: Without question. Like, I, I still can't wrap my head around why people want to play in this and Deal with this. We have it, enough variables and things going on in our lives in fantasy football to add another one into it. Now I have to worry about whether the players are going to play. For several, like, for as long as we've been playing fantasy football and we got smart about it, we realized as much as we love additional games that we can play this, week 18 is or week 17 for a long time it's just something we just never wanted to deal with it's an extra headache i know some formats ESPN for an example a lot of times their default scoring is to play two week playoffs so you have a week 15 16 and then this this week uh, especially it was going to be week 17 and week 18 championships so it was one where you needed to put up a good week 17 score to deal with the chaos that was likely going to come in week 18 It's one of those things like if your league is already set up this way, you can't do anything about it, obviously. But moving forward, when you set up your bylaws, you set up your league and your formats, try to make sure you get in leagues where they don't have those final week, week 18 kind of uh, situations, championships, because you don't want to come in here. Okay, let's say you have Aaron Rodgers on your team, the guy who's probably going to win MVP. And let's say for this game, they don't want to play him. And you have these other teams that they already have these these spots locked up. You just lost your best quarterback at this point. You say for the Kansas City Chiefs, they don't want to play Travis Kelsey. You lost your tight end at an irreplaceable position. So you're better off at that point trying to give yourself the best chance you have against the best roster you have as well in week 17. If it's up to me, you should never play fantasy football in this final week unless you absolutely have to.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons.
2: Imagine a fantasy manager's perspective, talking about the Adam Beasley tweet from yesterday, the the tie bowl game, essentially, with oh. if, in fact, the Jaguars beat the Colts this weekend and all the chargers Raiders have to do is just kneel it down 15 yeah. times each and it's over. I mean, imagine that. Like, you got Justin Herbert, Derek Carr in your fantasy league, and all of a sudden they're just kneeling it, and you just get these negative points, negative points. I mean, that right there, I would quit fantasy football. I'd I mean, like, this I'm is why we, we have
1: DFS. We have DFS if you want to keep playing fantasy football but only do it on a weekly format rather than needing to carry over these season-long leagues. Like, this is why we have this for now and into the postseason.
2: I love DFS, honestly. It's one of my favorite things I love throwing my money
1: away at it. That's about all I'm doing.
2: I know. My tax person is going to be very happy with me, Tommy, from uh, all my my betting and all my DFS stuff that I've done so far this year. Kind of keeping things on the page of wide receiver. I want to take a look at uh, Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman, taking on the Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers here this week. Obviously, for the Steelers, they have a lot to play for. You know, the Ravens' chance to the playoffs, I mean, it's going to require a lot for them. No question right now. I mean, no answer on Lamar Jackson's current status. I mean, as we're mm-hmm. anticipating now, it's going to be Ty Huntley. But for Rashad Bateman, you know, is he a good pickup this week on the waiver wire for potential fantasy managers?
1: The question with Rashad Bateman has always been the, the consistency. We saw yeah. him have those like, what was not five, almost six straight weeks of six or more targets when he finally got back into the season. Missed a good part of the season due to an injury. And once he kind of got going, we're like, oh, hey, the Baltimore Ravens kind of have that guy who could all of a sudden transition into being the number one option last week ends up leading the team in targets against the Los Angeles Rams, catches seven of his 10 passes, uh, seven of his 10 targets, I'm sorry, for 58 yards. Uh, it was actually his seventh game this season with 6 plus targets, and there seems to be some some uh, some chemistry between him and Huntley. Um, as of right now, I would expect it's probably going to be Huntley. Lamar Jackson looked nowhere close coming back last week. We saw some of those videos of him hobbling yeah. around like he was yeah. trying to go to the locker room with cramps all over again. So it's I don't see him playing at this time anytime soon this week. The question is going to be it's going to come down, look, can Tyler Huntley stay upright and stay, you know, cl- have a clean enough pocket with TJ Watt running <laughs> down the middle trying to come at it with Cam Hayward coming up the middle at him too? Because what's going for that sack record, and we yes. know he's going to get it. Gets four of them last night, so it's it's hard to it's he's going to have pressure coming against him, and a must-win game for both of these teams. Like the both of these teams, if you they can they don't control their own destiny, obviously, but if you lose, you know you don't have a shot. Yeah. Like, I think the Steelers are coming off. They're going to be a little bit of a letdown. Like, last night was their Super Bowl because they know they're not going to go anywhere else, but they were playing that game for Ben. Yeah. Like, you're now going to Baltimore where the stakes completely change. You don't have that... That mentality of we're doing this now in our home, our home crowd is here behind us and we're trying to win this game. Also guarantee ourselves a 500 season and make sure that record also stays. So this could be something we talk about a trap game in college football, the same kind of situation here. I think they're going to get up for it, but I think that ultimately the Baltimore Ravens are probably going to have a little bit of success here in the passing game. And if they do so, Rashad Bateman's probably going to be a high target count again.
2: We'll take it in now to the Buffalo Bills. You're looking at the situation they're facing. They have to win in order to win the AFC East yep. division. They're taking on the New York Jets, and uh, Gabriel Davis is on your list as a waiver wire target. I mean, I think this is a good pickup. I think in the last couple of weeks, you've seen a lot more from him. Like I said, I've I've got Emmanuel Sanders on my league, and I just mm-hmm. I simply couldn't rely on him this season. It's just been the inconsistency of the Bills' offense. But now, all of a sudden, they look like a very dangerous team, and they're coming together at the right time.
1: I think that's been one of the surprises so far this season. We looked at a lot of the moves that happened in free agency, and we looked, okay, where the team needs, where can these guys kind of fit in, and what's their role going to be? One of the questions we had was, who's going to step up and be like the wide receiver two, wide receiver three for the Buffalo Bills? You know, Stephon Diggs is going to run his normal perimeter role. And you had guys like, you know, Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis. Beasley, obviously, working in the slot. Emmanuel Sanders looked like he was probably going to be in a very high-powered role in this offense. Just hasn't been the case this year, and Gabriel Davis coming out of UCF is having another very good season. You talk about all these last couple games, four touchdowns in the last five, led the Bills last week in snaps and routes run. Catches only three of all three of his targets for 40 yards, but it's it's that volume, that workload that we like to see. Granted, he's obviously benefiting from Emmanuel Sanders' absence, who's dealing with a knee injury. I could see them once again try opting to rest him. Obviously, think they're going to make the playoffs. They know they're going to do that. It's what the seating is going to be. You know, you have the players on this team to get by without Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, on the season, 32 receptions, over 500 yards, and six touchdowns. So the production is there. He's going to be a threat inside the red zone, and he brings size, which is something the Buffalo Bills desperately needed. Stephon Diggs is not a tall receiver. Cole Beasley, I think he's like 5'9. I think he is. Um, and so you have so you have Gabriel Davis at six foot three. Like he brings that red zone size and ability that they want in this offense. It's why something like Dawson Knox did so well as that red zone threat. So I can see Gabriel Davis going up against a vulnerable New York Jets defense. We know how bad they can be at times. So I can see Davis being coming in like almost like saying, like a wide receiver three who's got a little bit of upside for that touchdown score.
2: I mean, he epitomizes toe drag swag as well. I remember last season he had several just ridiculous catches that helped extend drives by getting just barely an inch of his toe in. His body control was one of my
1: favorite traits from coming out of UCF.
2: He could be in line for a very big postseason. And as it stands right now, if the playoffs were to begin today, the Bills would be taking on the Patriots in another AFC East rematch. I mean, the third time that they could potentially play each other. Obviously, those matchups always go back and forth. You had yeah. the Blizzard game, uh, the first matchup. You had the cold game, no, you know, normal weather for the most part in that situation. And the Bills just ran away with it against the Patriots. And now potentially another matchup playoffs. It'll be a man and cast broadcast if, in fact, it were to happen. So, hey. I I like it. I mean, I'm open for that as well. You know, one other guy I want to ask you about, too, as we talk about running backs, you know, one of the final guys I'll ask in the waiver wire today. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we're we're looking at the situation in Tampa Bay. Obviously, still Leonard Fournette's out for them as it stands. You know, you have guys like Keyshawn Vaughn who's got bruised ribs. He's, you know, who knows what his status will be, but there's another guy there in uh, Tampa Bay, and that's Le'Veon Bell who's come over. So, in your opinion, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell potentially being a pickup here off the waiver wire in Week 18?
1: It's interesting when a f- another former Steeler player quits on his team. Another one is here to step up in another <laughs> role. Uh, so you, now you have Le'Veon Bell stepping up, who was just signed. He was I think this is his third game now with the team that was last week after they signed him when they lost Leonard Fournette due to a hamstring injury. Comes in, rushes only three times for five yards, not great. But he added thirty yards on all three of us and caught all three of his targets. You know he ran. He uh, actually led the team in snaps play, played on twenty-sixth snaps, ran twenty-one routes. The issue with Bell is we've never we haven't seen him be that featured back in quite some time. The last time we saw that was probably back in 2019 when he was still a member of the New York Jets. So if we look at his last couple seasons, he's always been in a complimentary role, whether it was with the Kansas City Chiefs or whether it was with the Tampa- with the I'm sorry, with the Baltimore Ravens. He's only scored as a running back two or better only two times these last two seasons. But like I said, that's in more of a complementary role. The last time he was in RB1, so we go back to 2019, he was averaging 16.3 carries, 52.6 yards. Uh, getting about four and a half receptions per game and adding about 30 yards on the ground. So could, I'm sorry, 30 yards to the air. Could we see a vintage Le'Veon Bell, vintage in air quotes, uh, in terms of what we, what we <laughs> used to see him as when he was the best running back in the NFL. Could we see him step up and kind of be this lead back for the Buc- San Bay Buccaneers? Given the injuries going on in this team, yeah, I think we could. So to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their season not necessarily on the line, but, you know, coming into the playoffs, losing Antonio Brown, you're not relying on, you know, Cyril Grayson and Le'Veon Bell. Like, that is just a storyline that, like, you never would see that coming on one of the teams we thought had the most depth and firepower in all the NFL. So I think Le'Veon Bell, he's going he's gonna to be an interesting waiver wire claim. I think he's worth probably picking up. We'll see what happens later on this week when the MRI come back on uh, Ronald Jones, and we we'll get some more information on the bruised ribs for Keyshawn Vaughn. But right now, it looks like Le'Veon Bell is going to be the RB1 for the 10 Bay Buccaneers.
2: Oh Well, obviously, Tommy Garrett, thank you so much for your insight, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, you can catch Tommy, myself, on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays here on the Pro Football Network in the mood for Fantasy Football Podcast alongside PFN Weekly, part of our nonstop programming here at twitch.tv slash Network. Tommy, my friend, thank you for your insight. As always, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to check out Tommy's work, be sure to go to profootballnetwork.com. Check out his work, Jason Katz, the Fantasy Football Department's work. Every single day, they have you covered with the best moves and advice that can help you in your fantasy league leagues as well you know some interesting points too. i'm gonna go back through tommy's list here and then once i get the word from our producer that bj's mic is good to go we'll bring him back on here to talk all things going back to cyril grayson uh you know going back to what tommy had said as well not you know he was an all-american sprinter at lsu not really much of a football player didn't play football there at the university the fact that he somehow found his way onto an nfl roster with his speed kind of reminds me a little bit of scotty miller here so Uh, You know, as we work on this, I'm going to bring back Tommy Garrett for just a brief moment here. And maybe we can take a look at some of the other angles as well. So real quick, Tommy, great to see you again, my man. Hey, uh, while we wait for BJ to come on here, I I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into some of these matchups. Now, the question I think some fantasy managers had, including myself, going into next season, obviously I'm in a dynasty PPR league, two quarterback league. Should I look, because I do have right now, I have Aaron Rodgers, I have Kirk Cousins, I've been let down by Kirk Cousins. Should I look at trading one of these guys? Because I know you did say yesterday, you told me there is a price for everybody. Everybody's available, Absolutely. and it just depends on what you do. In my
1: situation, how should I do it? I guess one of my questions is, is it a 1QB or is it like a super flex style format? Because that drastically changes the value of what the the core acquisition brings.
2: See, that's my thing is I'm I'm trying to figure out, should I wait and see what happens in free agency to be able to uh, try to make a, tr- a trade for a guy? I mean, I'm looking at situations and mm-hmm. teams that, that need quarterbacks, right? You know, we're not completely sold on Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. We'll find out this offseason yep. if in fact that they fully are sold on him. I, I just don't know if that's going to be the case. So for me, do I trade one of my first round picks and a player just to get more capital and an additionally another player should i go with a young guy that maybe has a you know a high ceiling but hasn't had as much production so far in the nfl
1: i think you could um the issue with well, trying to trade for a younger like more unproven guys and if you don't hit on it, you're kind of stuck in this vicious cycle of constantly needing to upgrade the position imagine the upside he could bring you know throwing to you know Cortland sudden jerry judy tim patrick noah fant like that could be a very dangerous team so i think his His upside would be just as high staying on that exact same style team. Um, And if you look at, you know, someone like Kirk Cousins, the loss of Adam Thielen is probably going to play a big part in what's going to happen to his upside because he's been that guy in the offseason where they've really, I'm sorry, um, in the red zone where they've really relied on him uh, despite his age. You throw in the injury to him now, I don't think he's going to bring the same upside. So if you can get someone who's younger, like go for a guy who we don't necessarily know too much about. like You can get someone like, okay, think about Gardner Minshew. You can get him really cheap. We know he's not happy in Philadelphia sitting as a backup. He's gonna maybe try to be competing for a starting yes. room somewhere. You can get him dirt cheap for some for uh, for another option, you know. Um, you know, there's some guys okay, Jalen Hurts. Do you like him? If you like him, then you know, he's another guy you can probably try to stick with, you know. Um, you know, Trey Lance, I would his guy who I would absolutely love uh to try to go after. He's a guy who I would really love to have on one of my teams. I think he's gonna be the future of that of that offense. And he brings, like I think about I talked about this. Do the last week or the week before where I said, I thought that, you know, where Trevor Lawrence had, I think the highest, um the highest floor, I think Trey Lance probably had the highest ceiling of last year's draft class. Granted, we've got to see, you know, Justin Field, these guys take a little bit more of the reps, but, you know, we kind of saw last week where, and even these little reps like where, uh, Trey Lance on the ground He's phenomenal. I think that's where in, in fantasy football, especially you need some of that rushing upside. And that right there is going to bring you a lot of your points. If you can try to target a younger quarterback with some rushing upside, absolutely go for it. And even come up in the draft, like because it's not a very highly touted draft class, we don't have the tools. We don't have the Trevor Lawrence the Justin Herberts. We know we don't have the, uh, the Trevor Lawrence's in this class, but I mean the Matt corrals Malik Willis, these mm. kind of guys who might be a little bit more of a project, Give them some time. They could end up being fantasy starters. I think Kenny Pickett's probably going to be the only guy that we're going to see come in and start day one. Um, But that doesn't mean that there aren't some other guys that I could see probably being potential starters later on down the road. Even someone like Sam Howe. I think he's a guy, you know, you can stash him on your bench. He might be good for you in a couple of years. So if you just have a stopgap, that might be enough to get you through this next season and let some of these players probably develop their talents in their new teams.
2: Oh, we'll see if Sam Howell decides to return to uh, North Carolina. I know there's been some talk about that. We'll obviously get into Give between the hashes yeah. with Ian Cummings yeah. and, and myself here at the top of the hour. Tommy, once again, thank you, my friend. Now we're going to try to bring back B.J. Riddell here onto the program here for Week 18 Waiver Wire Targets. We heard Tommy's targets, so now let's bring on B.J. Riddell. B.J., I think we got things worked out, my my man. How are you doing? Good. How How is this? That's perfect. That is perfect, my friend. Hey, thank you for joining us here today, obviously on In the Move for Fantasy Football. Look, Tommy had his waiver wire targets. I wanted to ask you about yours, though, this week. So there's five guys, obviously, we'll talk about here today. One of your options that you have listed is Devontae Booker of the New York Giants. Interesting, obviously enough, you know, when you look at Saquon Barkley, the dynamic that they have there, obviously it's been an offensive unit that has struggled massively under Joe Judd so far in the last five to six weeks. Your thoughts as to why Devontae Booker might be a good pick up for fantasy managers this week?
0: Yeah, most of my pickups that I tell people that I'm making are the ones that are not the obvious picks. Um, I think most people out there know who the obvious guys are. They don't need us to tell them. Um, It's the guys who uh, are a little bit below the radar. Uh, For example, I was advising uh, one of my fellow analysts uh, at PFN last week to uh, pick up and start Zay Jones. Uh, just because the trend line was going in his direction uh, based on the game script and based on his usage. Uh, Devontae Booker is a great bet in a meaningless game. Saquon Barkley's coming off the biggest rushing workload he's had all season. Uh, the Giants would be foolish, to put it lightly, to risk him having yet another catastrophic injury, setting him back in 2022. Um, Devontae Booker has arguably run better most most weeks than Saquon Barkley has. So if they put Barkley out there and Barkley gets hurt, it would be yet another stain on a franchise in a season uh, that cannot end fast enough. Uh, if they sit Barkley, Booker gets 20 touches and he
2: becomes a league winner. I, I think those are good points as well. And I'm familiar with Devontae Booker covering the Denver Broncos. Obviously, he spent time there. He's bounced around a little bit. I think New York's been a pretty good destination for him behind Saquon. I think he makes some good points on it as well because when I look at Saquon Barkley, I look at this New York Giants team, they have nothing to play for except pride, right? You're taking on your divisional opponent. But as you mentioned, there is the risk factor, especially for a guy like Saquon, whose volume, as we've seen this year, he's been utilized quite a bit. It does make sense for a guy like Devontae Booker, not just as a rusher, but also as a receiver out of the backfield. I think that's a pretty right. good pickup there. Now, i kind of mention that.
0: Oh, Cody, yeah. let me just mention it because you hit on a great point. I don't remember, you probably do in Denver, how good he was as a pass catcher, but he has an 88% catch rate this year for the Giants, which is one of the highest in the league. When you get to that point as a running back that you're that proficient, you've got value in fantasy.
2: Uh, and that's that's the thing, right? The amount of touches you can get as a rusher, the amount of receptions you can get as a receiver increases your value, especially if you're a fantasy manager. You really, really like to see. It. I know me. I had a couple of tellbacks tailbacks this year that were catching five to six passes out of the backfield and having 15 to 16 rushing uh, attempts in a game. I mean, it helped me out in my fantasy league significantly. I kind of want to shift gears here, though. Uh, you know, we talked about it with Tommy. The idea, there's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of question whether or not the Packers will play their starters in a week, seven, a week 18 game against the Detroit Lions. Packers have everything locked up not essentially much to play for is it coach speak by Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers really saying like hey you know we're going to play this week uh, with our starters or do you foresee the fact that they're probably going to sit them I mean when you look at Green Bay's one-two punch AJ Dillon and obviously Aaron Jones it's fantastic but you have Patrick Taylor as one of your guys here on the waiver wire target this week
0: yeah I'm not convinced I I get the fact that the Packers if they sit their starters uh, are going to be sitting out for three weeks essentially between games uh, which is a long time uh, to wait between games. By the time they get to their round in the playoffs, um, there's it, it goes back to there's nothing to gain. And I think that Lafleur could game game speak, you know, coach speak that all he wants, and that's his prerogative as that as a coach. But uh, the reality is, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is banged up. We've known about his toe uh, ailment now for weeks. Um, uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon have not been overworked, uh, but they are probably the best tandem uh, backfield, arguably, in the NFL, if not one of the best. Uh, Why ruin a good thing? Uh, Why not give Patrick Taylor some reps? Uh, Why not give, uh, you know, uh, Josiah Degara, you know, a little more run? Get some other guys who are not as involved. Just on the off chance that there is an injury in the first round when they play in the second round of the playoffs. And they've got someone with a little more experience coming in. There's just, I, there's nothing to gain by these guys going out there and playing a full game. Uh, and that's essentially why I think Patrick Taylor is a very, very sneaky play. He could get 20 touches if LaFleur
2: backs off his promise. Uh, something to keep an eye on all throughout the week and ladies and gentlemen you won't necessarily have to wait until Sunday to figure that out you'll probably find out Friday or Saturday so make sure you turn your dials to Pro Football Network at ProFootballNetwork.com check out the fantasy page so you can stay in the loop check out the Pro Football Network fantasy group on Facebook so you could stay in the know with our fantasy analyst and obviously our fantasy director BJ Burdell. I want to shift our conversation now to uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and look a story for them they've been losing key offensive players left and right this season they've been without Leonard Fournette for several weeks now but going to another point as well ronald jones gonna get the mri he's banged up you have Keyshawn vaughn listed as one of your waiver wire targets this week for fancy managers are you concerned that he's dealing with some bruised ribs right now and could that impact maybe his status for sunday's matchup 100
0: i mean i i and i heard tommy's conversation with you and and that's definitely a concern Keyshawn vaughn is kind of a holdover also from last week when i was pushing readers to uh and not just last week week 17 but also week 16 um, the Keyshawn Vaughn was a very underappreciated running back. The expectation was this was now Ronald Jones' backfield. I disagreed. I felt that Keyshawn Vaughn was the more intriguing prospect on that team. Uh, they already had Ronald Jones when they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn. They also had LaShawn McCoy at the time. Then they signed Leonard Fournette, and we know the, the rest of the history. But the point is Keyshawn Vaughn is arguably as talented as Ronald Jones, just doesn't have the same reps, doesn't have the same NFL experience. I think if Vaughn is healthy enough, he and Le'Veon Dell obviously will lead this backfield. You know, you never want to start someone who's not playing. That, that goes without saying. Yeah. The assumption here is that you pick up Vaughn because
2: if he does start, he could be a league winner makes sense and also to bj the question i have kind of keeping it here on tampa bay you mentioned levy on bell i mean how much if you are bruce arians how much would you be willing to go away from the experienced guy in bell for a guy like vaughn i mean what type of dilemma does an offensive coordinator have in that kind of situation well i think you might know i've only talked to probably one
0: offensive coordinator in my career i'm sure you've talked to many <laughs> cody but i would say that if I could imagine myself talking to an offensive coordinator, I would think that the goal for the Buccaneers, it's different for different teams, right? If you're a Super Bowl caliber team, you've been there. You've won it. You have Tom Brady at quarterback. There's a different calculus than let's say you're the Eagles as a six or a seven seed, and you're trying to figure out how to instill confidence in your guys that they can beat a tough team. You look at what the Giants did in what 2006, 2007 against the Patriots. When the Patriots uh, started all their guys in the final week of the season to try to go 16-0, and 0, they barely beat the Giants, yep. but the Giants uh, figured out how to beat the Patriots in that game. So that was an example of sometimes you don't want to play your starters because you don't want to play your hand. Uh, <laughs> and I think the Buccaneers and every team that's already locked up a pretty high seed, the Buccaneers still have something to play for. Uh, need to be cautious about playing their hand too much, giving opponents too much game tape to look at
2: when even the Buccaneers at this point, they can't afford to lose another key offensive player. Like, for example, Mike Evans, who's been dealing with that hamstring throughout this season, right. different various other soft tissue injuries. The last thing you need a week before the playoffs is he, him going down and having to rely. Obviously, there's the wide receiver factor there. Same thing with the running back. And I also think a lot of it will depend on Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady will have his preference with Byron Leftwich by saying, hey, you know what? I've got a lot of trust right now with Le'Veon Bell. Let's have him in on these situations, which I know that those conversations do happen between that. But Keyshawn Vaughn, an interesting name to follow this week for fantasy football managers ladies and gentlemen i want to shift to a big game on sunday night football here bj and that's going to be the las vegas raiders taking on the los angeles chargers winner gets into the playoffs unless the Colts lose to the Jaguars and they decide to kneel it out and tie. Um, outside of that, you have Zay Jones listed as one of the waiver wire targets. Obviously, a lot of questions. We don't know whether or not Darren Waller will or will not play. He's been obviously on the COVID list the last couple of weeks. He's also been dealing with an IT band issue, which for him, for as as big and explosive as he is, that is an issue and that can really, I mean, kind of keep you out of, out of action for some time. We don't know if his season is essentially done. There's Hunter Renfro on the other side for the Raiders, who's obviously been a reliable volume target guy for Derek Carr. And then you have Deshaun Jackson who's been widely inconsistent up and down throughout this season. Why is Zay Jones one of those targets you have your eye on?
0: Uh, Zay Jones is a major target uh, in the same way that Hunter Renfro was right after the uh, Henry Ruggs incident when uh, I shared in our PFN newsletter uh, that next day uh, that if you could pick up any receiver off waivers, it was Hunter Renfro. Uh, talent plus opportunity equals uh, fantasy championship. You've got to figure out who has the talent. Uh, you got to figure out who's getting the looks and who gets, who has the trust, the earned trust of the quarterback and the offensive scheme um, and how the matchup plays out where they can capitalize on it. Uh, Hunter Renfro. We've seen what he's done. Uh, Zay Jones is not at Hunter Renfro's uh, caliber. I would say objectively, but Zay Jones has the opportunity and he's been given it and he's risen to the occasion. He's getting, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 targets a game. Uh, Brian Edwards uh, has not stepped up as some thought he might. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Foster Moreau is still a small piece of the puzzle. Uh, and so I think the biggest issue was when Kenyon Drake got hurt, it opened the door for the Raiders uh, no longer having the luxury of of having a more run-heavy offense. Peyton Barber's not the answer. So it's Josh Jacobs and then Derek Carr slinging it. Uh, and Zay Jones fits in perfectly with that. Uh, if Derek Carr is throwing 30, 35 times a game, Zay Jones is getting about one quarter of that. Uh, that's money you can bet on
2: one well, final player i ask you about here today. Obviously, thank you, BJ, for your time. And ladies and gentlemen, BJ is our Pro Football Network Fantasy Director. Let's keep it to Chicago here. You have Cole Kometlis as one of your targets. Interesting enough, because I feel like the Chicago Bears have been this, you know, one team that for fantasy managers it's really hard outside the running back position to really bet on somebody to be a productive value, especially in this offense with the inconsistencies of Matt Nagy as a play caller. And then just the inconsistencies of the constant change of quarterback due to injuries, Justin Fields to Nick Foles, to Andy Dalton. Now it's back to Andy Dalton here. Uh, Why is Cole Komet one of your targets, especially when Jimmy Graham is there in Chicago?
0: I loved him this summer. Uh, He was the uh, I think 21st ranked tight end uh, going in ADP. And I had him in the top, I think 14, I don't know that he's going to get there. Um, The reality is he has a a 64% catch rate, which is not great, but he is tied for seventh in the league uh, in targets. Um, He is close to being a top 10 tight end uh, because 25 of the top 26 tight ends in fantasy have at least two touchdowns. Komet has zero. Uh, It has very little to do with his usage. It has more to do with he's not getting the looks near the end zone. That's where David Montgomery comes in. That's where, uh, you know, sometimes Darnell Mooney. It seems inexplicable to me. There's obviously a reason for it. But Komet is one of those guys where if you're in dynasty and you're in a deep league, absolutely Komet can be a top 12 tight end next year. He's going to get touchdowns. It's only a matter of time. And I would say in this meaningless game in a great matchup week 18, Knowing that he's gonna get seven, eight, nine, 10 targets, if he if he keeps up that trend, uh, he has a pretty good chance of scoring. So I've got him pegged at about fifteen points.
2: I think he's gonna help people win their league. Well, obviously, you're going to keep the dials turned to the Pro Football Network fantasy page. Ladies and gentlemen, for all your fantasy football news, information, analysis, check out profootballnetwork.com. Go to the fantasy page. Like I mentioned, go to Facebook, Pro Football Network's fantasy Facebook group as well. You get insight from BJ Riddell, Jason Katz, John hellcap and Tommy Garrett of our fantasy football department. Be sure to check it out. Obviously, in the mood for fantasy football, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays here on twitch.tv slash profootballnetwork. BJ, thank you so much for joining us here today. Look forward to speaking with you here again. And uh, it was a pleasure as always. Pleasure is mine. Thanks, Cody. Awesome. So, ladies and gentlemen, is in the mood for fantasy football. Just want to give a massive shout out to Tommy Garrett, BJ Riddell for contributing here for fantasy football managers here today.